I remember at a certain point, like one of my coaches telling me, you need to stop smiling at your opponents. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you need to stop being friendly. And I remember once in the middle of a match, I felt like I hurt the girl. So I was like, oh, sorry, are you okay? (laughs) and um, I have very much that personality as much as I like to feel like I'm aggressive when I'm out there Mm -hmm. I don't really see it like that anymore Um, I think because I'm I'm much more confident in my own abilities now and when I prepare really well for a competition I literally just say I'm going to have fun and and pick Mm -hmm. up my medals Uh, (laughs) and I would write my my winning speech on my way to my competition I love that love that so like my Instagram post yeah I would have it saved (laughs) yeah it's saved in my notes Um, but that will only come from me knowing that I trained really well and I'm very well prepared so that even if I do end up losing I know that I gave it my everything and it's okay This is the Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. If you've arrived at part two of our chat with Ishtar Azavi, the founder of Baghdad Skate Girls, after listening to part one, fabulous. We hope you enjoyed it. If not, we urge you to head to part one of this episode to listen to the inspiring origin story of a skateboarding community exclusively for women in Iraq. This installment dives into Ishtar's professional sporting career in Jiu-Jitsu, how she came to it after her move to the UAE, what she has learned from the sport that has made her the person she is now, and anecdotes from her time in the ring and off it. We also talk about the not-so-apparent connection between skateboarding and Jiu-Jitsu, which aren't really at two ends of the sporting spectrum after all. We hope you enjoy this episode and please continue supporting us by hitting that subscribe button and dropping us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Your support helps us unearth more such stories from athletes in the region, a job that we absolutely love. Thanks for listening. So while skateboarding has become a purpose-driven pursuit, it's it's mm. also something that you're learning yourself. Jiu-jitsu is something that you picked up competitively. I'm guessing you didn't start off competitively. You just kind of grew into it and you liked it that much, right? And this happened later in life because you were telling us that it only happened when you moved to Abu Dhabi, which I believe mm-hmm. was in 2011. Yes. Uh, but right. it took me a while after that. It wasn't straight away. Like, I think I started in 2016 or 15. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what got you to jujitsu? Because I saw or read somewhere that it was a way for you to regain your life after a past trauma. Is mm-hmm. that something that you would want to share with us? Yeah. Um, I recently did a documentary where I've I've spoken about this for the first time and it's taken like 15 years to talk about it. But um, I think it's very important now at this stage of my life where I'm trying to open more doors. And after hearing some stories and being able to relate to them, 
I thought like maybe it's time to talk about my experiences so people can relate a bit more. But I I came out of a very violent marriage and I had to leave the UK because I didn't really feel safe there anymore. And I moved to Abu Dhabi and uh, for many years, I felt really sort of afraid to go back to London. But, you know, all these case scenarios I kept building in my head. What if, what if, what if? So then I decided, like, maybe I should just go learn how to defend myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I got into jujitsu. And I fell in love with it and I got addicted to it. And it changed me as a person to a degree where I think I've lived like two different lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one was before jujitsu and one after jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when we talk about jujitsu and kind of contact sports, because you're such a calm person. You have this very lovely, <laughs> beautiful energy that's very calm. Like, I mean, I feel like I would be able to go skateboarding with you. I would feel very mm-hmm. comfortable and it would be very welcoming and safe space. <laughs> yeah. But jujitsu, I mean, you must have felt really... Because, yeah, people look at it. It is, you know, kind of combat, right? You're like, it is, yeah. grappling and it must have been super empowering. I, I mean, I know from myself just starting to lift weights again. And every time I get a higher weight, a deadlift or whatever, I just feel so powerful. So it must have been amazing to feel you owning that power again after this situation, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, I think like um, there was a lot of like uh, self-sabotage talk that was happening and uh, competing helped me come out of that because you have to do a lot of affirmation talk and you have to really believe in yourself. So like my brain was at war with these two different voices, one that was telling me I have to believe in myself and then another one that is coming from probably like PTSD and trauma is telling me, no, actually you're this. So like I had that to deal with for like a year or two until the other voice got louder. And, Mm -hmm. um, and when you say like, you know, you're so calm as a jujitsu fighter, you should meet my coaches. They're so Zen. (laughs) And and I, I think that's one of the things about martial arts. It teaches you to be calm in, in tricky situations, it teaches you to, you know, control your anger. And I always like sometimes my friends would always say, so, yeah, if there was a fight, you you would protect us. I, and I always say, no, I would tell you to run, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because this is, you know, as a as a martial artist, I'm not just ready for a fight. I can defend myself if I'm put mm-hmm. into the situation but it would be last resort mm-hmm. and we try to actually descale things and mm. we don't become argumentative and we're actually the calmest people in the room. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And you said that it's more mental, like there's, there's a very huge mental element to being a jujitsu athlete, especially when you're competing. Have you ever been in a situation where you've lost your temper or you've done something that kind of has caused you a match because you Uh, couldn't maybe hold in something or your nerves got the better of you. Do you mean in like day-to-day life or? No, in in a match, in a competition. No, no. 
No, no. I like, I remember at a certain point, like one of my coaches telling me, you need to stop smiling at your opponents. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you need to stop being friendly. And I remember once in the middle of a match, I felt like I hurt the girl. So I was like, oh, sorry, are you okay? (laughs) and um, I have very much that personality as much as I like to feel like I'm aggressive when I'm out Mm -hmm. there I don't really see it like that anymore Um, I think because I'm I'm much more confident in my own abilities now and when I prepare really well for a competition I literally just say I'm going to have fun and and pick Mm -hmm. up my medals yeah And I would write my my winning speech on my way to my competition. I love that. I love that. So like my Instagram post. Yeah, I would have it saved. (laughs) Yeah, it's saved in my notes. Um, But that will only come from me knowing that I trained really well and I'm very well prepared so that even if I do end up losing, I know that I gave it my everything and it's okay. So Mm -hmm. I go there to have fun. I no longer feel that you know, like I'm so nervous or yeah, alhamdulillah, I got rid of that. And, and for many years, I was the complete opposite. And I did a lot of studying and research and reading uh, to get to that point. So it, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> I feel like I maybe need to just, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it. any con. Yeah, no, I would be interested. Totally. I haven't done any, uh, I guess, combat sports yeah but I do remember like once in high school I played basketball and this girl like hip checked me when I was going up for a um a layup and I've never in my life like someone had to pull me back from my jersey which is so like I I surprised myself but it was just adrenaline going yeah yeah it was just adrenaline I'd love to learn more that zen Um, no you should try it and you have access to really good gyms now in Dubai please go ahead (laughs) well on that too like I mean jujitsu is huge here it is so Mm. big and I think there's a lot of government investment in it obviously which is needed um Mm -hmm. there's a big support from senior leadership which is fantastic how did you find it like did you just go in one day like cold like went into the gym and like hi I'm here to do jiu-jitsu like how did that all come about awesome (laughs) I love that (laughs) literally I'm like hey so and and I have my first picture in in like the the thing and I remember it looked so weird on me and it was so heavy I was like how do people train in this but it was just something new and I think what really drew me to it was the community was so nice and mm. I was doing like everything wrong, but they were just making me feel like I was Mike Tyson out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're doing and, great, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, and that's what made me come back. And I honestly, the UAE have done an amazing job to the point where I really like. I came out here and I was like, maybe we could just do five percent of what they did. You know. Mm. But yeah, like this is something that's uh, we're planting at the moment because they've been uh, pioneers in the sports of jiu-jitsu. And you can see how it's impacted the new generation who had it in schools and how much how much it's, you know, I see these new generation, these kids, they're so wise mm. and they're so uh, considerate and they're so kind and I just feel like they're like 
60-year-old men in, in trapped in like little bodies. And, and that's <laughs> jujitsu. It's given them so much discipline and it's given them like how to deal with problems. And I think it's great. Every school should have it in the world. It's physical, it's mental, and it teaches you discipline. And kids need discipline. They crave discipline. Mm-hmm. So... Afshan yeah. and I always say this, like the kids are going to, the kids are amazing. Like I'm amazed by the, the kids. Every time we speak to a young person involved in sport, I'm like, yeah. I think about what I was doing at that age. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> unaware yeah. I was of everything. <laughs> now, they're like wise little owls. Like, I'm like yeah. where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. So you touched upon medals first. You write your your Instagram captions on the way to the competition, right. which I yeah. feel like I should start doing this. I would say this is the year I turned pro. I got my first ever podium this year and I won some. Money. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it was only like three of us in the category. I got second. Okay. win. Yeah. You I went, mean, still, yeah. You did your part. You did yeah, your I part. I did my part, but I'm speaking to an international gold medalist right now. <laughs> Obviously this works for you. Your method. Talk us through your gold medal winning it and who you were competing for what's the situation give us the full story (laughs) yeah so it was um honestly you know like the world championship it's uh it's a great medal but i think the one i'm i'm most proud of is my european championship which was after winning all those amazing medals like asians europeans grand slam worlds and then having a huge accident and being out for like two years and then going back and getting gold again in Europeans, that for me was like, I was like, you know what, guys, I hate to say it, but I don't even think this is like 50% physical. I think this is all mental. (laughs) 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 Obviously, no, it's, it's physical as well. But I think even if your body is not in the physical, Mm. like a hundred percent stage, your mind will compensate a hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and this is what I've seen. And, and for me, like the, the world championship was just, it was, I was sick. I was tired. I was, I was inflamed because I, I was burnt out, you know, and it was, a, it's a very, being a professional athlete is you only get to see like the nice part of the podium that it's you know, post. Yeah, I would I would always be crying in the gym Nothing behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, you're tired, you're you're uh, you you question everything, you realize you've put in so many years into this thing that you kind of don't even have a social life anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, people stop inviting you out because they know you're training and it's a, it can be a very lonely place mm-hmm. and a very uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very lonely journey and you have to be okay with that. So it's not for everyone, but for me, I think like I knew on the way of getting there because I kept envisioning. I kept like I would have a ritual like every day before I would go to bed, I would be on the podium getting my gold medal and I would tear up like just being in bed knowing like, you know, like it would get me every time. So on my journey to getting my, you know, world championship, I knew that I was getting it and I believed it. And I felt that the day when I went there and I was extremely sick, I remember, I felt like I was only going to pick up my medal. And I had some scary opponents, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was fighting a Brazilian girl. I was fighting 
a Colombian girl, a girl from uh, Baku. Uh, and I was like, this is like scary now, you know. Mm. But I, I just, I knew that I would do it because I, I had no other, there was no other option in my head. At the international level, have you always represented uh, Iraq? Yes. Okay. But all your training has been in the UAE. Yes. And right. this is this is what I this is why I say like if Iraqis or whatever country it is were exposed to the things that I was exposed to, mm. I think we would have a lot of world champions. Mm-hmm. And I always say like people sometimes ask me like why are you wearing the UAE flag on you? You know, you're Iraqi, you should be proud. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I would not be here if it wasn't for them. I had mm-hmm. so much support from the UAE Federation. They treated me just as any other local girl. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was treated really, really well by them. And um, they saw how much passion I had towards the sport. And they were amazing. And, and they made me a world champion, you know. But I also wanted people around the world to see, like, what Iraqi girls are capable of. Yeah. And... It could have been very easy for me to like maybe represent a different country, but then no one would have an insight like what Iraqi girls could do. Mm-mm-mm. It's so important that representation. Yeah. I mean, are there more Iraqi women competing at an international level on jiu-jitsu or are you it? No, there is uh, there is more. And um, actually, there's a, a young girl. Um, I think she's 16 now. She grew up in the UAE and she went through the mm. school system. So she, she's, she's like, she has multiple world championships because she's been competing since she was like, I don't know, I think nine years old in world. Wow. Uh, yeah. So like I say to her, like by the time you're a black belt, you're going to be like a 20 world champion. You know, you might even retire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think like it's not about the medals. Like for me, it's about just having girls being able to go and compete mm-hmm. and jiu-jitsu isn't about medals it's great that I have these world championships but for me I think it's great because now I have a platform where I can use wisely to open doors and I always mm-hmm. say like okay if you do have all these medals and you don't really do much with that space that you have then I don't really feel that you've given much to anyone except yourself Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that's what sports is about. I think it's mm-hmm. about, you know, maybe building yourself up and then building the community around you and, mm-hmm. and helping people around you to be able mm-hmm. to have access. Yeah. Speaking about it, not only being about the medals, sometimes a loss match is a bigger lesson than a win. Do you remember that first match that you probably lost and what you may have learned about yourself or how you could go forward as an athlete? Yeah, I will never forget my first loss. <laughs> <laughs> it was with a girl called Shadia Biseso. Oh, um, I she, know Shadia. Yeah. yeah, so Shadia she is a badass. went on to the WWE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She used to go to Inner Fight after one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. She's an awesome athlete. She's an awesome girl. But I remember like now I can say this many years later, like I looked at her and I was like, I'm so scared. Her name is Armbar Girl. <laughs> like 
I was, I was like, and she was so like polite and nice to me. And I just remember talking to her yeah, and my mouth was so dry because I was so scared of her. <laughs> and I remember like being so relieved that our match was over. And I think like we had to rematch again. I was like, no, no, I don't want to. She's like, come on, we have another fight. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's great because I can now see how far I've gone. I'm so happy mm. I was like that because I've seen, you know, the evolution of who I am. And, and I'm talking today and maybe in 10 years, I'll be talking about the evolution of today, you know, who Ishtar is today yeah. and who I'll be in 10 years um, so it's it's been a great journey. Yeah, I love Shadi. I haven't seen her in so long since she moved out of here. But yeah, she's yeah, she wonderful. Did so like, much. Yeah, she's yeah. It was last time I saw her. It was right before she went to the WWE, and yeah, I haven't seen her since then because I think she moved out of the UAE. But and she would have been a great good... representation, like her yeah. as an Arab girl being in WWE. I think this is what we need more of, and these mm -hmm. people creating spaces. You know, like having her out there could have shown so many girls like, well, you know, Shadia did it so you can do it. And this is this is mm -hmm. the important message. It's not about like me or Shadia or anyone having world title. It's about where we are able to go and what opportunities mm -hmm. just showing that we are able to get there shows like other people can go there, too. So absolutely. I want to ask about the support you received along the way, because representation is so important. Obviously, you're gone back to Baghdad now, where there's been a turbulent history in Iraq. And you mentioning before there was a really strong sporting culture. And then obviously war happened and things in terms of society are a bit different, whereas it might not be so more so welcoming for women in sport amongst families, society. What was the support you had always when you were competing, like with your family and your friends? Your, I mean, your mom, you said your mom was an athlete or is an athlete still, I'm not sure, but she must've been supportive, but did you, was everybody super supportive and you know behind you, whatever you chose to do? Oh yeah. Uh, I think like at first they kind of thought I was having a midlife crisis <sighs> because you know, I had the white belt syndrome is what they call it, where I had a white belt, but I was like, walking around everywhere saying, I'm a professional fighter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think like, they're like, okay, let her do her thing. But they were very supportive. Make it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm a brown belt. <laughs> like I don't even bring up the fact that I do jujitsu. It's so yeah. funny. No, I was lucky. Uh, I had a very supportive friends. I had a very supportive family and um, things were great. Uh, in terms of I was able I'm very independent my parents have always allowed me to be independent you know I lived in the UAE I had a job I could afford to go and compete and you know I, I had a really good best case scenario so I guess like now I'm in a place where there is no best case scenario and I'm just trying to like figure out <laughs> even me as an athlete being here I'm struggling I'm struggling to get into the gym. I'm struggling to get anyone to train with. I'm struggling to find training partners. I've had to like detour to judo because it's close to my sport. So it's a struggle here. Uh, and things aren't, you know, I think like one of the things I didn't think about is how much patience I would, I should have. <laughs> I thought like, yeah, I'm in, I'm out, you know, I'm just going to, do everything, everything's going to go great, and then I'll be out. 
but this is a very long-term project. I think we it will take us a decade to get to being able to see most of the sports being represented on an international level. Um, mm-hmm. It took a decade for the UAE to build what they've built now with jiu-jitsu, and now you're starting to see the fruits of those seeds. So I think a decade is something realistic. Mm-hmm. To create something purpose-driven, to leave an environment where you got everything, you got training facilities, you were competing at the highest level possible with the best resources, and then to go to Iraq to build something from right from scratch at the grassroots level takes a lot of grit and a lot of courage. Do you think this is something that's innate in you or is something that you've learned over the years, either through, you know, kind of conditioning from family or also through your sports? Um, I think it's definitely like through my sports. And I think it's also, I've, I've been searching for more meaning and, uh, you know, I I think like, although like it got to, I'm not even a black belt yet. I'm not, you know, they say it only counts when you're a black belt, you know, but before I even got my black belt, I kind of started to feel like every time I would get a gold medal, like my last gold medal in Grand Slam, I didn't even feel like excited about it anymore. And I I felt like I was at a point where is this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is how, like, I kind of secretly wanted to, like, feel like I wanted to lose so I could feel that, like, happiness again. But I realized it wasn't there. I realized, like, for us humans to be truly happy, like, you have to be helping, you have to be supporting, you have to see other people flourish around you. And I felt like my journey kind of went, I I hit a wall and, um, it was only when I came here to do some research on ground, like I felt alive again and I felt happy and, and I felt like this was my purpose. No matter how challenging it's been, it's my calling and it's it's a purpose for me. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I came here because I didn't feel like any of it was meaningful anymore because it was just for me, like I wasn't seeing anyone else on the platform with me from back home. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like I say, like my dream is to see an army at the moment on the national team. It's just me and and the younger girl that I told you about. So for me, like I don't want one or two girls. I want to see like 20 girls. I want to see so many girls from here getting medals outside. And and this is one of the reasons why I'm here and and why I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Because it has been challenging, you know, I... Although I'm Iraqi and I speak the same language, I do feel, uh, you know, being in, in a diaspora, I feel like I speak a different language and I'm, it's lost in translation all of the time and I'm misunderstood or I misunderstand and culture clashes and there's a lot of that happening between everything that I'm trying to do. So, but it's been, it's, I think it's, been a lot of added value and I've learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Success is better when shared, right? When you see other people around you um, benefit as well. Yeah. 
it's been so wonderful to chat with you. Love Thank what you're you. doing Thank you. with skateboarding and just really fascinating to hear your story into jujitsu as well. And yeah, I know everyone's going to take a lot of lessons and inspiration from that. And there's going to be skate brands out there who hear this, who want to get involved yeah. early because it's smart. Anyone who, <laughs> anyone who wants to like come to Iraq to share their two cents about any sports, contact me. There's always stuff we can do here. It could be even like biking. It could be anything. If you want to come out here and do something special, like contact me. There's always like room for us to do something new. I'd love to. I'm doing, I'm mapping out my 2024 now in a calendar nice. and lots of adventures. Maybe there'll be space for a rock on there. Let's yeah, see. Yeah, come over. <laughs> Is there anything before we go head off that you would like to share about skateboarding in Iraq, about you or the community you're building before we go? No, nothing. No. I think Excellent. we covered everything. Yeah, we okay. a wonderful chat. We'll put everything for everyone listening. We have all your information in the show notes Great. where they can find you and more information about stuff we chatted about. But thank you very much. Thank it's been so, so lovely. Much. Thank Hi, you, yeah. guys. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.